All right, and welcome to another episode of Bearded Bros Podcast. As always, we want to thank you for joining us and make sure that you're following us on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagrams. You can also become a Patreon subscriber where you'll get exclusive content. And more importantly, you'll put money in our pockets to help us keep doing this and make it better. So become that Patreon subscriber because not only will it make us a better person, it'll make you a better person. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and enjoy the podcast. and welcome to another episode of Bearded Bros Podcast. As always, I'm Summer Buttons, and I'm joined by my two bearded bros, Junebug and Hansy. How's it going, guys? I don't think you get to give yourself a nickname. That's I'm pretty like, sure y'all gave me the nickname. Listen, it, don't be upset, Hansy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not Hansy. You're Hansy. I'll take Hansy. You can be Junebug. Yeah, See, I like Junebug. that works because they were given to us. Keith doesn't get to give himself summer buttons. That's wait, true. wait, well, Stephen, you were the one. You were the one, you were the the one who gave me the name. What did they wind up calling George when he wanted to pick his nickname? And I think they called him something related to shrimp because yeah. he ate all the shrimp or something. Yeah. So we have to come up with a good. Yeah, name. I'm. Yeah. No, no, y'all, y'all could try to spin this all you want, but. We had this conversation. Y'all are the ones who gave me the name. I mean, it could be Summer Buttons. It could also be Creepy Uncle Buttons. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we, we've decided to change how we start this podcast. So I'm going to ask y'all a quick question. Do y'all really, really dislike Nazi philosophies? Yes, Keith, of course. I've, I've just heard from certain people that they would be disappointed if we didn't talk about our disdain for Nazi philosophies. Nazi philosophy. Are we going to have this conversation every single time we do this? No, I think it's a simple yes or no question, and then we move on. Well, it is. A, yes, I, I have disdain for Nazi philosophies. I thought that was interesting. I was uh, looking through, I have some old yearbooks mm-hmm. from like my wife's mom's mother that is in relation to me, but uh, I was looking through it and uh, the German club, I don't know when this was thirties or something like that. The German club had a swastika in the, in, in, in a United States, Pennsylvania uh, yeah. yearbook. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. You know, it was probably pretty like symbol of hate mm-hmm. and things like that. It's just so bizarre just to see it right there yeah. on the, like proudly on this, this club's home. Well, I mean, I'm page. pretty sure in the United States leading up to the war, there were plenty of people that were very pro. Oh, well, like, I mean, I, you know, there was a massive Nazi party that yeah. was, I mean, in New York that had thousands upon thousands of members. Right. And you can make the argument that like we started eugenics and eugenics turned yeah. into Nazism. So, yeah. Yeah. All I mean, right. I would just rather be a little, I, I feel like, you know, what's the old, uh, the, the thing that everybody says, but nobody actually follows is like, once you start talking about Nazis or calling someone a Nazi, you've lost the argument. Like you, it's over with, like, you're not going to make any progress with anybody. So like, can't we, 
you know, first of all, talk about something that we like and bring a little joy into the world and be positive and maybe find something that's a little more actionable than Nazis. Because 99.99999% of Americans, if you ask them if they hate Nazis, they will answer, yes, I hate Nazis. And they will mean it. It doesn't, they might still have some racism in them and stuff like that. But if just sticking with Nazis is a little heavy handed. Okay. So Plus, let me ask you this. We always have this conversation at the start of every podcast. We do. But let me ask you this. Y'all guys love the United Federation of Planets? I do. I do. Yeah. I wish I spoke Klingon. Yeah, me too. Awesome. In fact, I've been rewatching the Star Trek movies and the new ones. They're really good. And I could have talked about that in my entertainment, but Keith spoiled it. Well, hey guys, you hate spoilers? I love spoilers. (laughs) You love spoilers? Yeah. No, you don't. (laughs) Nazi. All right, guys. Well, let's just go ahead and jump into it. And Charles, what's your beer? of the week beer of the week beer of the week like we do this weekly I think Keith has a long con going where he's just trying to convince people that if you become a Patreon member, you get the podcast that we record every week when in reality we record one every two months. I don't know. Steven, don't lie to our Patreon subscribe potential Patreon subscribers. <laughs> Our weekly podcast is through the roof. Charles is pulling out some fancy pants beer. I got some crawlers here. Yeah. Look at that lighting. That's nice. That is nice. Uh, so this is from Pecan Street Brewing. Uh, it says Johnson City. I think I was in Dripping Springs, though. But it's at that area, kind of hill country, yeah. southwest of Boston. Um, and I've got a blonde, because I never met a blonde I didn't like. And I have an English pale. It's called something like PSB Pub Ale. To be good. Nice drinkable one. I think that's I a like good that. one right after disc golf. So I think I'll... <clears throat> Do you know who else never met a blonde they didn't like? Uh, Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Keith's over it. I think we finally convinced him. Maybe. Maybe we make it annoying enough. Maybe. <laughs> oh, they, I forget. They do fill these things to the brim. Yeah. Do we need a towel or something? Yeah, it'd be nice. But I think we're okay for right now. Uh, oh, There's water in the glass. I mean, it yeah. might taste different. Yeah. I'm sure you want some too, yeah. right? Let me get a. Let me get you a towel because we're making a mess. Preemptive mess. It's hard to pour from these crawlers. You got to commit. You you really do. It, it, there's no like easing it into the glass. Yeah. So this is uh, Pecan Street. We went out to one of your faves. Went out to the LBJ Ranch, Keith. I've actually oh. never been to the LBJ Ranch. Keith, you missed an opportunity. I thought you were a fanboy. I I well yes and no. LBJ did some really good stuff for civil rights, but. He also lied a lot about the Vietnam War. Yeah. So I went there and uh, I remember from a, a kid, I remember this this car mm-hmm. that he was the driving. The one? Yeah. So I got to see that. That was pretty cool. I got to see Air Force One half. Interesting. But I uh, also got to go to Salt Lake. Did you oh, the barbecue it? place? Did you like it? No, it was trash. Yeah. It was I horrible. Think, Dried horrible out. Too. Horrible. Get as many people through as you possibly can at a time. Massive parking lot. Like nothing was good about it. Except wanna, for this, you could bring your own beer. So. Yeah, I want to say it used to be good, but yeah. I I think that well, I, I really just think that people have gotten better, and like I don't know, I, I don't I don't I don't think it's very good. Well, when you have to mass produce it like that, mm-hmm. how can it still be good? You know, they're not cooking it in those long times, right? You know, yeah, slow and low. So, all right, you ready? Oh yeah, we're tasting beer. All right, so this is the P P S B. What is P Pub? I forget what that stands for, but it's a basically a English pale. I mean, a, usually the S B is special bitter. Yeah, probably. Pub special bitter, maybe? maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not thirst quenching, but it's good. No, it's pretty good, though. It's uh, Caramely. 
Yeah. It's, You're uh, not going to get any details probably on that. Let's Google it. Let's pretend we did this in the house. <laughs> it's good. Maybe it's a pecan special bitter. Maybe, maybe. I bet that is probably what it is. It does have kind of that uh, roasty, toasty, yeah. caramely. Well, and it's a bunch of freaking t-shirts. Okay. This is a great podcast right here. Yeah. Um, that's it. Pecan Street Brewing right there. Yeah, but that's just the cap. Oh, oh. PSB stands for Pecan Street Brewing. Oh, okay. So right. it's just a pub ale. Okay. okay. Yeah. Which usually like those can be, they're unique to every pub, right? Yeah. I think I've been there. Yeah. To that place. Um, cause, and I don't think it was in Johnson City. Maybe it was in Johnson City. I'm pretty sure we we're in Dripping Springs, but we might have been in Johnson City. Yeah. I don't know. That area. Yeah. This is good. So. It's like, it's pretty light for like an English style. It's not, yeah. it's not overly anything. I like it. It's good. I will give it a uh, four out of four sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna give it. Um, let's see. That was so good, Charles. Thanks. It's so bad and good. I'm gonna give it a three out of four um, pecans. Oh, Ooh, delicious! I, I love pecans. I That's a pretty high rating. LBJ, yeah. but I couldn't hear because I left the room. What Keith was yeah. saying about LBJ, yeah. I kind of want to know. Well, his his fandom is nuanced. Yes, I I think what. LBJ was able to do for the civil rights movement was absolutely fantastic. But the fact that he basically ran a con with the American people over our involvement in the Vietnam War is what keeps him from being considered a great president, even with the great things that he did with the civil rights movement. So I think every person is flawed. Some things are like bigger than other things. And the pretenses for the Vietnam War and everything else really do kind of skew the view of lbj that's very subtle and nuanced communist talk from keith yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the maybe the moral of the story is anyone that runs for office and becomes a politician is probably more than flawed compared to the average person and maybe they're insanely egotistical and um you know maybe the well, maybe maybe our country is bigger than than one leader well and also like how do you is this go for every elected official in your opinion Stephen? i would say most i would say but yes I would probably say yes. But also okay. like, I appreciate I appreciate you. How often do they do something because it's right or do they do it because it's a political calculus? Right. Yeah. You know, and honestly, matter I mean, yeah. if they get this good thing done, mm-hmm. you know, like I think LBJ was definitely like mm-hmm. making some moves. And, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because you do have to to get to the point. And Keith, no offense. I'm not talking about the president of the Liverpool supporters group in Nashville. I'm talking well, about remember, I did hold office as a city council member. Okay. So I'm saying like national office and statewide office. I don't think that you can get to those positions without seriously compromising your convictions at some point and probably doing some shady shit. I don't know, but that's just what I'm, that's just what I think. And you may do it and compromise your, uh, your convictions so that when you do get into office, you can do something great, but you know, you're probably going to hurt some people along the way. I don't okay. believe in the cult of personality and like holding people that get to some high elected office as uh, necessarily even someone to emulate in your personal life. Well, think about this. If you were running for office and you held it to your convictions, it would mean only right. Stephen Yales would yeah. vote for you. No, yeah, so I, I get a slider yeah. that you got. It. I get the pragmatic yeah. aspect yeah. of. Yeah. But. All right, guys. Well, I'm excited about the beer that I'm about to open up because I think you already opened it. No, nope. no, nope, I haven't. Can still closed. Oh, okay. But friend of the show and friend of ours. 
I believe you say friend of the pod. Oh, sorry. Friend of the pod and friend of ours. Nick brought this over last night. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. We don't get to try it, but thanks, Nick. Grip and rip Pell-El. Does it have like a kind of chubby dude turning the can a little bit? No. No, Let me see the human. There's no human? No. Well, there is, but he's way back here. I think I've seen that beer on Reddit. Where's it from? Uh, This is from East Nashville Beer Works. Oh, nice. I do like East Nashville Beer Works. So let's go ahead and pour this and see how it's... And it's just a Pell-El. I appreciate just a good Pell-El. You know who else appreciates pale things? Nazis. Yep. (laughs) All right. Good color. Clarity's good. You know who else says good color and clarity's good? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Jesus actually would have said that. Mm, That's good. It definitely is like... Two out of three mustache licks. Yeah. I mean, it's hoppier than a normal Pell, but in a good way. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I could see this definitely being a beer that I took out on the disc golf course. Um, 5.6%. That's good disc golf beer. That is good disc golf beer. So, and the fact that it's a Pell, though, it's called Grip and Rip. It has a basket on the front of it. Like, it already. I was already happy to have it before I even drank it. The line on it says, Juicy Pell-L, perfect for tossing aces on the disc golf course. Very nice. So I'm going to give this a one out of four on a par four. So an eagle. I'm giving this an eagle. Eagle or an ace. I think that's a whole one. Ace, yeah. Yeah. Well, an eagle, eagle would be it's still an ace, but eagle what's that? Two. Oh, that's right. We I'm giving it a double, double eagle. Well, it's an albatross. <laughs> Whatever. Albatross. That's what it's called. (laughs) Don't they call it that in ball golf too? Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's an albatross. One out of four, albatross. I really got to think of a rating for the next beer. No, I think pecans pecans? was was so good. I mean, three out of four pecans. Yeah. All right, Steven. So what's your beer? I'm drinking it. I'm drinking the same one as Charles. I'm not done with it yet. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess we can go ahead and move into. Beer news. Yeah, and then as soon as I'm ready to have it, I'll interrupt you. Sounds good. Okay. I mean, it's what I do to you guys. I expect you to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so beer news. Sam Adams has reported that seltzer sales are down 50% in the second quarter. I didn't know they sold seltzer. Not in my house. (laughs) Well, Sam Adams sells truly. So I'm wondering... If it's because there's more seltzers on the market, taking up a bigger part of the market share than they were expecting, or if the sales of seltzers are down. No, they're one of the first ones. So like now everybody's moving on to all these other, plus they're getting like hard seltzers now. Like their percentage just keeps going up and up and up. Yeah, they're turning into four locos. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, (laughs) I don't know if this was a seltzer issue. But one of those party buses in Nashville the other night, someone fell off of it and got run over. Like they're they're going to live. They're in the hospital. But like I'm like, how many seltzers did that woo girl have? Yeah. How do you fall off of a bus? <laughs> they're open air buses. Like they cut off the top of them so they can woo out the side. Oh wow. Uh, hey, what's that thing that happens in like Scandinavian countries? I don't know what it's called, but it sounds like graduation cool. thing, yeah. that truck. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. What was it was something bus? Yeah. 
Well, I, I think it's a Scandinavian. It's probably a different language. So it might have a bus in it. I don't know. But yeah, when they graduate high school, like they get on these buses and they go around. And I think they actually do some of them for like a month. Like they go around. Like trips. Yeah. 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 I did some research on this. It, it's usually a month and they just imbibe in sex, drugs, and alcohol. And alcohol and yeah. Nice. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on. So- creepy as shit though. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. At least, so, at least in that drink. You say so. Some other beer news. Oktoberfest has already started shipping. What? Yeah. It's not even September. It's not even August. And do you, some places. Sure it's not even August? Wow. Some places have already started putting out pumpkin beer. So I'm going to ask you guys, as somebody who loves pumpkin beer and pumpkin period, like I'm a basic white girl when it comes to fall, I even think it's too soon for pumpkin beer. Well, it's not even like a, it's not like even like a too much, it's just wrong. Like you need something thirst quenching and satisfying in the heat and that is not pumpkin. So yeah, it's always too soon for pumpkin beer. I feel like Thanksgiving, a good pumpkin beer at Thanksgiving's awesome. Like Pumpkinator from St. Arnold that's aged in those rum barrels and everything. That's a fantastic Thanksgiving Day beer. I like a little vino on Thanksgiving. I like some turkey, but I don't want turkey beer. I like <laughs> mashed potatoes. I no really mashed. don't want mashed potato beer. You like a mash beer? Well, I mean, a beer has usually has mash yeah. at some point in the process. Yeah. yeah. Stephen, I'm willing to bet that you have drank a mashed potato drink. Within the last like six months. Are you talking about like vodka or something? Doesn't taste like mashed potatoes. <laughs> all right. So that's all I have for beer uh, news. Cape Cotter is really good. What's Cape Cotter? Cranberries and vodka. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I thought we just called that cranberry and vodka. No, it's called a Cape Cotter. Fancy names from Yankees. I thought yeah. it was called a Cosmopolitan. I don't know what you call it. I call it Cape Cotter. <laughs> I like it. Different <laughs> names, different strokes for different folks. Hey, Charles, are you serving in a martini glass or just in a glass with ice? Well, usually what I do is I just I ask them to cup their hands and then I just pour it directly into their hands and they drink it up as fast as they can before it drips out. And then he says, that's how we do it in the Cape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like Kata. It's wicked good. <laughs> Speaking of Cosmos, there's a good subreddit. This is a boring podcast so so far, so we need to just, I guess, talk about some stupid shit. Um, it's called Hold My Cosmo. Have you guys seen the subreddit Hold My Cosmo? I have not. All right, so you're uh, the girl falling off the party bus. If somebody had a video of that happening, that's the content that would that is on Hold My Cosmo. And so it, it's like it, it's like a Hold My Beer for basic white girls. It's like yeah, Charles would be a. <laughs> frequent like person on hold my cosmo if you and i were better at like videotaping random shit like him jumping over bike racks and stuff like that because that's all it is really bad parkour yeah and like just girls like in you know dresses leaving bars just you know trying something that's probably a bad idea and failing miserably it's not always girls sometimes it's dudes but i think the hold my cosmo is you know i think i'm gonna check it out drunk girl yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny i recommend it good subreddit Awesome. Well, guys, we can go ahead and move into... Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Mixtape. And the, who... What's the music for that? Wow, wow. Do we have sound I think it's got something like that. I think it's like... Oh, yeah. It's you like... hear my mixtape? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been using that for like the last 10 episodes. And, and I'm sure people that listen to the podcast know what it sounds like. Do y'all not ever listen to the podcast? 
I'm listening to it right now. I listen to it. I listen to it. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm being aloof. So who wants to go first? Charles looks like he's getting ready for action. He's got Sp- Spotify pulled up. Charles, why don't you go first before he calls on me? I don't know if I should go first because I actually don't know what song that I'm well, we, not adding any music yet. Um, I, t- I tell you what, while you're adding your last songs, Charles, I'll go ahead and go and give you time to do that. Steven added second so he can put his on and that? then you can finish up. Up to five. We're six. I think we've all put six on the last one. All right. He's always trying to stretch it. All right. So here are mine. I've got MGMT, Time to Pretend. I I really like MGMT. I've been a fan since it came out, um, even before I knew it was Miley Cyrus's little brother. Um, But I did not know that. Yeah. It's Miley Cyrus's little brother in MGMT. Wow. Does he have a mullet? Uh, Maybe. If he doesn't, I'd be disappointed. Yeah. Um, Next, I have this song called Still Woozy from Rocky. That's a good one. And like, it just, it's cool. Like, it almost sounds like kids banging on their keyboard to make the like riff on it, but I really like it. Um, Then I have Hush from the Marias. And this is a good sexy time song. Like, really like that one as well. Um, And then, you know, Living in Tennessee... It would be wrong not to have oh God. the the ultimate pop star from Tennessee in here, which is Justin Timberlake. I thought this is how he's going to get John Prine in there. No, no. Uh, so Justin Timberlake and Chris Stapleton say something. I really like this song. It's a little deeper than a normal pop song. There's a really nice acoustic guitar in there. Like it a lot. Uh, and then I have "Let's Talk Dirty in Hawaiian" from John Prine. <laughs> Oh, the pop singer. You know what? This is kind of a poppy song. And it's, I told you I'm going to fit John Prine into every playlist. Sly guitar. That's quintessential pop right there. You haven't even heard the song, Charles. Sly guitar. I'm listening to it right now. Oh, we got twangy like the boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Yeah, it's so poppy. Crazy pop. Really? What's the, what's, what's he singing about, Charles, since you're listening Uh, to it right now? Hawaii. (laughs) I don't think it's, I, you're not listening to it. Um, and then finally, I have Letters to Cleo, oh, Cruel to one. Be Kind, like which it's a it's an old Nick Lowe song that they covered. But I mean, it's kind of poppy, a little rocking. I like it. I actually liked that movie when I was in college. Julia Stiles was cute. Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo, super cute. And yeah, that's my songs. Do I have to go next? Uh, You don't have to do anything. Charles, you go next. No, I'll go next. All right. No, I'll go next. All right. So I, you know, I don't know. I didn't know what to do for this. And uh, so I just picked some songs. Um, So the the logic I went with was kind of changed. I started out by trying to pick songs that I actually like, that were definitely very popular. And I felt like at least opened the door for people or myself to other genres of music. So the first one I put was White Wedding by Billy Idol, which... I don't think Billy Idol's like punk rocker or anything like that, but definitely, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a nice day for a what? 
I feel like if you listen to Billy, if you if you listen to that song and knew nothing about any kind of music, and then you started going down a rabbit hole, that could lead you to some punk music, which I kind of like. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I started with that one, but then I kind of started thinking about it a little more broadly, and I was like, you know what? What are like some of the really really popular songs that were broadly popular? At not maybe not top forty stations and stuff like that, but kind of open the door to other styles of music for me. So that's kind of what I went with. So after that, I have uh, the Pixies. I'm a big Pixies fan. And Where Is My Mind, which is probably one of the most like covered songs. It seems like feels it's like, like in every made. commercial now. Right. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like Frank Black is like making all of his retirement money just off of that one single song. And Him and Kim Dill both. Yeah. yeah, but um, I don't know. I would make an argument that like "Here Comes Your Man" is more. Oh popular no, yeah, yeah. Like, or "Debaser." Well, this "Monkey right. Go- Monkey Gone to Heaven" was probably like my first favorite Pixie song. Yeah. Um, but I picked that one just because I think that's probably the more segue. Yeah, it's like yeah. the more the one that most people would have heard the song. They might not know it's the Pixies because they probably heard a different version of that. Um, and then also like just thinking back to like my childhood, like probably the first REM song that I really well, no, that's not true because "Don't Go Back to Rockville" is my first favorite REM song but it's the end of the world as we know it and i feel fine like everybody knew that song back then and i feel like if you were just like the average kid who just listened to the radio you discover that song it could take you to learning about some cooler bands that aren't on the radio and a lot of rems like best stuff um wasn't super popular like you know they had they had definitely radio hits but you know when we were younger they weren't necessarily like the radio darlings they became with like losing my religion and stuff like that let me ask you this just out of curiosity how far can y'all sing that song before you're like you just stop i feel like i could probably do pretty good if i had like a practice round yeah maybe i think i could get to leonard bernstein or whatever that's probably about it yeah it almost just goes too fast right more more than like forgetting it just goes too fast yeah 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 um and then after that the beastie boys which i feel like the beastie boys are again a you know kind of groundbreaking kind of co-opting lots of other cultural music like you know kind of mixing rap and rock and stuff like that but they were insanely popular um almost everybody i feel liked them I mean, yeah. it was very easy to be a poser white kid, um, you know, with your skateboard and play the Beastie Boys and feel like you were kind of cool. And I feel like there are so many people doing that that it wasn't cool. It was, it was pop music, you yeah. know what I mean? But um, but I liked it. And, you know, the Beastie Boys are awesome. And then before so before you move on, mm-hmm. just touching base on the Beastie Boys, this is actually a really cool fact for anybody who's interested in music facts. Factoid. The first album, the first album that was completely sampled. So no original music, just completely sampled. Paul's Boutique. All right. So that was revolutionary in the rap industry at that time. So totally set the stage for tons of music coming after that. You heard, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I, I remember hearing a story about like the first rap song. Mm-hmm. Like the first, this is a rap song. It was all... Spawn. Yeah, they like didn't get the rights to any of it because they didn't ask permission or anything. <laughs> so, um, so then after that, I have Sublime, which the reason I would say Sublime is pop, it was very, very popular when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. But you ask, I feel like every kid that's in high school, you know, you see a lot of Sublime t shirts even today. But I feel like they actually still play that album. And that album is still relevant to teenagers and they like it. And um, so I put Santeria, which I think is probably like the most popular song of that album. Steven, another fun fact, if you're ready for it. Yep. Today is the 25th anniversary of that album being released. What? Wow. Wow. So good choice. Yeah. 
And then sticking with the idea of uh, artists and songs that kind of open the doors to other music. I have One Love by Bob Marley because every, I don't know anyone that doesn't like Bob Marley. So smooth. Don't know a lot of people that really get into reggae, but there's some really good reggae music out there. It's super fun to jam out to sometimes. And uh, Bob Marley is a good kind of gateway drug to, to reggae, I think. So, Guys, another fun fact. A factoid. Factoid. I don't have a fact. Oh. That's it. <laughs> No, that's an awesome list, Stephen. Like, I feel like we're rescuing this uh, playlist. I feel like, like you're giving me way too much credit. No, I, I think I like the way you thought about it. I like it, and I love every song that you put on there. Even White Wedding. It is a good song. It is a good song. Hey, little sister, what have you done? I remember it being a little better than that, but yeah. You're a drummer, not a singer. <laughs> right, Fair Charles. enough. All right, Charles. All right, so first one I've got is from an artist called Wet, and it's just a funky little ditty, very catchy, no story to go with it. Next one I have a cover of uh, of uh, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You by the Fruit Bats. No, 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 don't you dare. That is not Whitney Houston. That is a Dolly Parton song. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Whatever floats your boat. Um, but it's it's... They do a good job of pulling off, even though they don't necessarily have the chops for it. Uh, but really good. Next, I got uh, Waldeck. This is a, uh, I guess it'd be another like trip hop album or something like that, but it's got like a bluesy, like swing music with, with beats, strong beats behind it. I think it's pretty good. And then I was pretty psyched to find this on Spotify because it had been erased from most catalogs everywhere, but it's called Let's Get Retarded by the Black Eyed Peas. And it was very politically incorrect to have that at the time. Um, Still but- kind of is. Okay, you, you can you do whatever you want to do, Keith. Uh, but I thought it was a great way to take something that is normally a negative connotation and put a good spin on it and talk about like losing yourself and not worrying about what people think of you and not being so in your head. And I thought the spirit was proper with it. And I'm glad that it exists now. And I was happy to find it and put it on this playlist. The next one I have is Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. It's uh, probably the only song I could probably loop for a straight month and enjoy it every single time I hear it. So, and then next one I have is deeper shade of soul by urban dance squad, kind of oldie, but goodie, uh, funky beat is part of like kind of the early nineties alternative stuff. It didn't really fit in typical grunge genre type thing, but yeah, that's what I got. Awesome. We're, we're just going to have to disagree on the R word. I know we R- had this R- conversation recently, but Keith, I know you hate Nazis. What, what does that have to do with the artwork? <laughs> Keith, you say all the right things, man. Keith, I don't know. You can use all kinds of words in a way that is hurtful. You know what I mean? But there's probably well, better words. But Charles has a has a has an interesting, you know, kind of. Well, I I know. On it. I I know. But I we do need to touch base. Is it is my turn to pick out the next playlist? And I, I, I've been thinking about this and part of me was like, maybe we should do sounds of summer. Cause like I have some great summer songs I would love to put on there, but I thought of something else and I want to see what y'all's feedback is. What if we go back through all of our playlist and we have to pick favorite songs that each other put on there. So you can't pick your own song. You'd have to pick songs from other people that we've put on the playlist that as you've listened to it, you went, damn, I actually really like that. Yeah, that could be interesting. How are you going to put a John Prine song on there? Well, you picked John Prine song. Yeah, you picked a John Prine song at some point. So it's just going to be like a greatest hits of our previous mixtapes? 
Well, I think it would be an interesting way of looking at like how we all have very different musical taste and seeing how that wears on each other. Like we're very similar, but we have very differing views on like whether it be electronic folk, Americana, whatever. So I want to see, I think it would be an interesting way of seeing like, are we actually having an effect on each other, much less the people who are listening to us? (laughs) It's your turn to pick playlist, Keith. So you get to pick the playlist theme. Well, I'm asking. I'm, no, I'm good with that. I'm not criticizing. That, like, that's not a negative. It's up to you. Okay. So yeah, I say we do that. I think it'd be fun. So we pick songs from our previous playlists. Yes. Dating back from the beginning of the podcast. Sounds good to me. And again, you cannot pick your own songs. Gotcha. So, all right, guys. Well, that moves us into... Stephen having another beer, which is great because I'm going to need another beer. So, Stephen, why don't you take us away on what beer you are having so, at this time? Charles and I are going to have oh, Friends and Allies Brewing Company's Fresh Coast IPA. I feel like we've probably done this one times. But hey, the one that I actually wanted to review isn't cold yet. So, we're going to have to stall for that. Well, I, so, like, I like this brand. Yeah, Friends and Allies is a small brewery in Austin. I don't even know if they have a tap room. They might. I think their logo is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's got a bear and a wolf, which mm-hmm. I can see them being friends and allies. Um, plus, I just like bears and bears and wolves. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to get like one of those wolf t-shirts, like a black wolf t-shirt, Howling at the Moon, like that you see like at truck stops and stuff like that. I feel like I could sport one of those. I want. Um, I want an Arkansas. I want an Arkansas bear shirt. After I got to see a bear while we were there. Did you see? Did he see a bear? He said he saw a bear. I, no one really challenged him because he oh. like. I don't, I'm afraid he's gonna get his feelings hurt about it. We he saw, saw a fucking bear. Did it steal your fish off your uh, hook? No. <laughs> how how did I hear about this? You were sitting at the table when I came back and was talking about it. Wow, I must have been pretty drunk. So this beer smells pretty good. <laughs> it smells great. It smells very like. I mean, it smells hoppy, but it smells really fruity, mm-hmm. like grapefruity, but not like. Oh yeah, I get notes of grapefruit. It, really smells like grapefruit rind or something like that. I like it. It's good. It's pretty good. It's nice, pretty good. clean, crisp. It's, it's a it's just an IPA, not juicy. It tastes yeah. juicy. To there's me. there's some floaters in there, which yeah. is uh, probably rem- either from our last beer or reminiscent of Friends and Allies, which is a tiny little brewery, so I don't know how good their quality control is. But this is tasty. I like this. I like it a lot. If I had to drink several IPAs on a hot summer day, this would be a good one to pick. I will give it... <laughs> I'm going to give it one out of three of us that believes they saw a bear (laughs) on our camping trip in Arkansas. And you know what? That's pretty good because if none of us believe they saw a bear, I feel like we would have failed in our trip. So one out of three is pretty damn good. You know know what? I I don't need y'all guys to like be like, wow, you saw a bear, Keith. That's awesome. I know what I saw. And it's something I hold with me for the rest of my life. It's just like walked down to the water and got a drink and then walked away. Yeah. Across the river. Kind of cliffs on the other side. I feel like it would be a challenge for a bear to like walk down to the water and walk away. Well, Maybe not. Maybe if, not. Keith, if Keith saw a bear, he saw a bear. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess yeah. the thing, the Keith, the reason I'm, the, the biggest reason I'm skeptical is the way that you presented it was very um, just nonchalant. He like kind of came in and I'm like, Hey, you catch any fish? And I think he no, said, no, 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 no. That is not how I came in. I came like, yeah, in yeah, I and you said, you said before I could even open my mouth, you said, Oh, did you get the game warden call that they were expiring fishing licenses? At, oh, yeah. like- but, 
that has nothing to do with it. After that, I said, did you catch any fish? And you're like, I think you said yes. I can't remember. Yeah, I caught a bowfin. Oh, that's right. You started making up names of fish. And then he said he saw a bear. And it was not like, dude, you'll never believe this. I just saw a bear. It's, yeah, I saw a bear. And I feel like if Key saw a bear, he would have ran away and been super excited and freaking out. That's the only reason I'm skeptical. Did but you not no see my eyes and how excited? Like, I sh- <laughs> you look like I saw a bear. <laughs> what? Dude, it was amazing. I've always wanted to see a bear. I got to see a bear. You've seen the Baylor bear, right? Oh, yeah. Lady and Joy. Yeah. Yeah. But I meant like in the wild, like Is seeing them in a mascot? zoo. I thought that bear like killed some dogs and like sexually assaulted some women or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was their football team. That was, that was their coaches yeah. and their football team. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, they get to go to the like ultra Atlanta, like big nigh conference now since Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC. Big 12's falling apart. I yeah, feel like that happened a long time ago. Yeah. I forget what they said. Something like 5 million per city lost economic losses for like Waco and Lubbock. Oh, really? Because of this. Yeah. Because, yeah. 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 I just think that Aggies are probably so mad. Yeah. And that's why oh, I love. Oh, they I love are. Aggies get mad. They are. My buddy Ryan. They probably factored a lot into the decision. My buddy Ryan went to college and law school at A&M. And he is livid. He's like, we left that conference to get away from those fuckers. And here they come. But you'd think that you would want to play your bitter rival, especially if your whole thing is it's not the University of Texas because they're, you know, it's just Texas University. It's just the name. Like, why don't you play them every year and show that you're a better team instead of running away to another conference? I'm not disagreeing with you. So It'll be fun. my ne- my next beer is from Southern Grist, and it's called Sugar Baby. Oh, nice, Sugar Mama! And it's ma- it's a goza made with liter- a literal ton of locally grown sugar baby watermelons. So two thousand pounds of sugar baby watermelons went into this beer. Charles, is that one beer? Do you know what a sugar <laughs> <laughs> is like? A TARDIS. What do you know what a sugar baby watermelon is? Because I do not. I have no idea. It's probably I'm guessing it's ones. a piece of candy. It's no, it's one. the like small, small watermelons. Oh, so it's not a piece of candy. So, but aren't there? There's pieces of candy on the can in there. What did I just see on the logo? It's sugar cubes and watermelon seeds. Oh. So it's, it's made out of watermelon. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully, let's see. Hopefully, it's dry. I I love watermelon, so. I wanted to make another Nazi. Oh drink. shit! I don't think they like watermelon. No, if I didn't. This this is just. This is just watermelon. Like, I get a little bit of, like, on the back end, a little saltiness, which you should get from a goza. But that makes it even better because everybody knows if you sprinkle a little salt on your watermelon, it makes it better. (laughs) I thought people put mustard on their watermelon now. Isn't that the new thing? People are fucking sick if they do. I thought you just, like, put an upside-down bottle of vodka. Yeah, that's always good, too. No, this is fucking fantastic. Yeah, what'd you guys call that growing up? Did you do that, like, where you cut off a bunch of fruit wow. and pour a bunch I, of sugar I, liquor I don't in know it? I've ever actually had it. Oh. No, I've never done it. Okay. Because I think that has different regional names, different parts of the country. What'd you call it? We called it Harry Buffalo. In Texas, <laughs> it's called Trash Can Punch. Oh, yeah. I have heard the term Trash Can Punch. Yeah. Huh. So that's what trash can punch is. Yeah, just a bunch of fruit cut up. Oh, a bunch of... it's not when you actually like put it in the watermelon. It's when you just put the fruit. Yeah, yeah. There. But the watermelon thing is a good idea. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. So I'm going to give this three out of three awesome campfire nights in Arkansas. Oh. 
Even if Charles only made it through half of the last one. Well, in Charles's defense, everyone made it through half the last one except us because we stayed up till like four in the morning. So that, that's true. Kind of overdoing it a little bit. Yeah, it, we got to that last night, and it was like this ends tomorrow. And then I woke up at like nine and was like, "Shit, we have to be out of here in two hours." <laughs> so awesome, guys. Well, let's go ahead and move into. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Entertainment. Who wants to go first on entertainment? <laughs> We're so excited tonight. <laughs> Who wants to go first, guys? You, you know what? I'm going to go first on entertainment because first is my entertainment. I've always been a fan of Anthony Bourdain. I, I love to show layovers um, and I love the show No Reservations, but I never went back and watched Parts Unknown. And after our last podcast... Steven, you recommended a show. I went and got HBO Max because you sold it so hard. Um, And after I finished watching that show, I was like, oh shit, Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown is on HBO Max. I watched the first four seasons in like a week and a half. And dude, God rest him. Fucking Anthony Bourdain is one of the greatest fucking like faulted humans to ever live. I loved, I love watching him. I love the way he is self-deprecating, but he also calls out bullshit when he sees it. And it's not one of those like, oh, look how great everything is travel shows. It's like, hey, there are some really great things and it's mostly the people. Here's the really shitty things. And it's also the people, you know, I... It's such a great show. It's opened my mind to a lot of other cultures that I didn't know about. And I've like done a lot of research since watching. And it's also inspired some culinary nights with me and Jamie. We'll watch an episode and be like, damn, that looks good. We should try to make that. So I, Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain, I'm sure you guys would agree. That's an awesome show and everybody should watch it. Yeah, I can watch <clears throat> anything with Anthony Bourdain in it and I'm happy. Like he's definitely one of my, you know, I have a similar philosophy to that I do with politicians and people on TV in that I generally probably think that most of them are actually horrible human beings or at least not anything special, right? But I love Anthony Bourdain. I'd eat up anything he does ever did on TV and I would watch it over and over and I have. You know, they're, they're coming out with a movie. Um, yeah it's out right now and it's going to be on hbo max i think next month yeah and have you read his books his books pretty good i i've thought about ordering them i haven't read it yet yeah he's got two books that well he has two like not kind of memoir type books and then he has at least one cookbook that i've read which and his cookbook is really good too and it's funny and he has little stories in there and stuff like that Um, okay yeah highly recommend anything by anthony bourdain so and the second part of my entertainment is to go back from our last podcast and let's talk a little bit about the beforeners. Steven, you sold this show hard. Charlie and yeah, I've seen some of it. Okay, maybe half. All right. So you sold this show hard. And usually when somebody sells me a show that hard, it's okay. This show was so fucking good. And now that I know that there's going to be a season two, I'm fucking thrilled. Yeah, I didn't know that they're coming out with another season. That is cool. So, I mean, how how could they not? After that end of the last episode, they had to do a season two. Yeah, I worry that it's going to get dumb, but... 
yeah, might be cool. So I just, I think they're going to like focus more heavily on the like religious zealots mm-hmm. in the next season. I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And Charles, I'm, I'm trying to really like beat around the bush to not like spoil anything for you. Well, he said that he loves spoilers. I do. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a super clever show. I liked the the take on, you know, immigration and how kind of stupid it is for people to get upset about people from other cultures coming to where they live. And yeah, it was cool. I liked it. I did really expect the Novin dude to be a bigger part of the show. Like, I, I think they did a really good job of like, he was the um, chromatic. Yeah, the naked dude. Yeah. Um, no name or whatever. Yeah, it just, I think that just means no name. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I expect him to be a much bigger part of the show. And then episode three, you don't see him anymore. It no was spoilers, like, Keith, come on. Think about all of I haven't spoiled anything. He could, co- anybody who's listened, he might come back in season two. <laughs> but it's a, it's a fucking great show. The way they do it, like, there's constant suspense. It's very, like you said, it's very interesting to take a look at the foreigner situation and immigration and stuff, but it was just so well done. The story was so well told. There's still a lot of things that I want to find out. I I think the show could go another three or four seasons. Yeah. I was excited when it ended. I just, yeah, I don't know if it's going to get all magic-y and I think you're right. I think like, like looking at the religious aspect could be pretty interesting and the zealots and the bigotry and stuff like that, which is probably the direction they're going to go, which, which could be good. Yeah. So, and that's all I have for entertainment. I just wanted to touch base on that for a minute because Steven, you, on that one, you knocked it out of the park. That was so fucking good. Well done. I, well, whatever I can do to help everybody. I'll go next because this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my entertainment lately, we've, you know, I, I haven't, I've been struggling to find like a show that I can just really, really get into. So I've been going back and watching old movies. And I kind of talked about this a couple podcasts ago um, about John Carpenter. I think I watched The Thing and I think I talked about that, about how much I love that movie and how I think it was groundbreaking and you can watch it for all those reasons and all that kind of stuff. So I've been watching a couple more of his movies. And one of them, for example, is Escape from New York. So do you guys remember Escape from New York? Oh, yeah. How could you forget Escape from New York? Not Michael Douglas. Close, though. It's Kirk Kirk Russell. Kirk Russell, yeah. Snake Pilskin, right? Yeah. But the... I like these movies and I remember liking those types of movies because I thought they were cool when I was a kid and stuff like that. But one of the things that, you know, the three of us, but Charles and I and our wives and, you know, especially like, you know, when we get together, a lot of times we get kind of annoyed with what's going on in the world and it's easy to get frustrated. And I have this kind of this thing that I fall back on that I think that we're making a lot of progress as a society, even if it feels like we're not, because it feels like we're always dealing with people that are bitching about all the progress. But if we weren't making progress, they wouldn't be bitching at all. Right. And I think the fact that everybody's bitching about, um, you know, the, the losing American culture and make America great again, like all those people are, are upset because things are changing and I think they're changing for the better. Right. Go back and watch a couple very popular eighties movies. Now, John Carpenter movies, I don't know if they were super mainstream or anything like that. Like they were pretty low budget, but they were popular. But just look at the tropes in those movies and compare it to what you see today. And it's 
pretty freaking bananas. Like, yeah. and but it also shows you why so many older people today that are, you know, like our parents and stuff like that are kind of have their minds blown by seeing so much more representation by whether it's uh, the LGBTQ community in TV, whether it's um, African Americans in TV, whether it's who, whatever. Like, you go back and watch those movies, they treated all of those other cultures with such disrespect. It was nuts. It was bananas. And like their whole, like the idea in this movie that, which came out, I think in 1982, somewhere around there, that in 1988, crime would be so bad that they would build a wall around the city of New York, around Manhattan, and basically turn it into a big prison. And then in 1996 was when the movie was actually supposed to take place. Like, just think about that. Like that came out and people were thinking six years from now, crime would be so bad. And when they talked about crime, it's pretty obvious from watching the movie, like who they're talking about is they're talking about, you know, like, like black people and stuff like that. And just how scared they were of them. It's it's bananas. Um, But so, you know, escape from New York. It's, I think it's a fun movie to watch, but it's super interesting to watch a movie from that time period now and think about what's going on today day um it's super relevant like incredibly relevant like i i wish i could think of a couple other things that happened that are so closely tied to like what people are talking about right now and it just shows what a caricature all of these complaints and arguments are that we're seeing around us well and it's interesting because we've lived through massive changes yeah like massive changes like i was listening to a podcast uh homo sapiens they were interviewing michael stipe Mm -hmm. and you know he's one of the first people to come out as gay and just the world that was completely different now and like this guy that's interviewing him is like a young uh gay guy and just like how he looked up to him and how everything was you know so bizarre then and gave you know people the strength to do it now and stuff like that we've gone through a major sea shift and we just forget that i think we're so used to change now we get our necks broken so much from just like accelerating change that we Mm -hmm. don't kind of yeah it's insane yeah i should go back to watch that just to see because probably a little scary yeah i'm and good and good because that's not what the world we live in anymore well if you watch escape from new york in the first 20 minutes you will be like holy shit like there are so many connections to what's happening right now not that it's like predictive or anything like that but it's like it just shows you how much people are the things that people are complaining about and the things that elected officials use to get people riled up and you know media networks get used to scare people and stuff like that they are just recycled arguments from the past and it just and seeing it in that kind of light just is so interesting and it just makes it's just so it's crazy how it all falls apart awesome so So, go back and watch some 80s movies highly recommend escape from new york if you want to think about political commentary highly recommend big trouble in little china if you just want to watch a fantastic freaking movie um which is kind of next to my list so and i haven't watched that in about 10 years so i'm curious Mm -hmm. to see if i see any connections now i see that one as maybe a little bit less uh well i mean the lead character is black so no big trouble in little china it's it's kurt douglas again oh that's right what was i thinking about with eddie murphy uh, you're talking about like Beverly Hills Cop or Yeah, I think that's America. what I'm thinking of. Into America. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. But it's also just funny to watch in like the snake like just as a white dude, right? When you watch that movie, you realize I don't know how much came from that. I think when it came out, probably a lot of stuff came from that movie. But like that character of like this white badass dude with an eye patch and a leather jacket and like, you know, just 
just, you know, screw the world, does what he wants kind of thing. You see that character in like every one of our video games we played. Um, so many movies that follow that. And like, that's who we were kind of, kind of raised by our media. Like, and I'm not saying like, Fox, I'm not saying the news. I'm saying like movies and, yeah. and, and video games. Like that, that's kind of like the, the, the male ideal and stuff like that. And it's just I, so I still say too that so bad. To this day, Kirk Russell is one of my favorite like actors to watch. Oh yeah, like, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just funny to see how it hasn't aged well. Oh, I'm sure, but like, but he was also in the Hateful Eight and was fantastic. Like, yeah, he's, he's, know, a good, he's a great actor. Yeah. yeah, he's great. And then like Tombstone. Yeah. Like he was Wyatt Earp at Tombstone. And I don't think either one of y'all will disagree with me. If that movie is on, it's really fucking hard to turn it off. Yeah. Was he in Falling Down? Was that him? No, that was, um, I can't remember. That's not him. No. That's no. a different dude. But um, I do kind of wonder if John Carpenter, who wrote and directed all, wrote and directed all these movies, he's probably a pretty racist dude. Like I'm, get, I'm kind well, of getting that feeling it's, about it's, watching well, but it's also the times. times then, you but, know, you know, he's probably still, changed. He's probably grown. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's also I'm really old now. I what I wanted to look because like one of his most popular movies, which was later, was like he had a vampire movie, and it starred um, who's the total jackass actor that's really he's a huge Trump supporter, and he's on Twitter. He's always getting kind of kicked off. Um, here, I could find out real quick. But I just I kind of wonder. Oh, like, the guy from uh, Christmas Vacation, Uncle Eddie no, no, or cousin no. Eddie? He's more. He's probably racist. But he's more—he's more just freaking nuts and crazy. Um, it's uh, hold on one second. It's—you'll know this guy as soon as I say who it is. James Woods. Did you guys know? Oh, James? I, didn't, I didn't know he was bad. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. James I know Woods James Woods. Freaking, he's horrible now. So like, you're talking about the this guy, the Bram Stoker? No, he made. No, this is John Carpenter's Vampires. Um, it, it was. It was. I remember it being pretty good. I'm gonna watch it again. But it has James Woods in it. I'm not a big like. I have no problem with cancel culture. I think people complain about cancel culture is freaking stupid. Like, if I freaking hate James Woods, I'm going to have a hard time watching James Woods movies because I think he's an asshole. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But I wonder if he and John Carpenter were friends. I do wonder, I'm just throwing this out there, like another group of movies with us growing up was the Brat Pack movies. John Hughes, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody celebrates John Hughes as the great like teenage director for that era. Mm-hmm. So movies like The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, um, my person personal favorite, Dante's Inferno, you know, all these things. Fucking great movies. You mean St. Elmo's Fire? Or St. Elmo's Fire, sorry. <laughs> it's like Dante's Inferno. Is so I was like, wow, that's <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I've had I've had a few drinks tonight. Um, but all of these movies, name one black character from any right. of them. Well, and that's another thing is you see when you go back and watch movies from that era, is it's it shouldn't be surprising, but it's a reminder of how segregated we are, we still are. Definitely were then, but mm-hmm. it's how segregated we still are today. I um, still think the only like, and they had some like black dancers in Ferris Bueller's Day Off during the like parade scene. I remember but was a bunch it the of German women in Lederhosen? But, Maybe you're right. No, there was like a band. Yeah, you're right. There, you're probably yeah right. when they were coming down the steps right. and whatnot. Yeah. But was it one of the guys who stole their car and was driving it all around town black? I remember to one of the guys is a pretty well known actor. Yeah, they, I remember them looking like yeah, like I'm sure to John Hughes, they're they're quote unquote foreign looking. Like you know, <laughs> they, who knows what their nationality was? Um, I think at one point they do pretend to not speak English, if I remember that. But 
Yeah, I think you're right. Dude, we're super segregated still. We totally were even worse back then. And I think people forget about that. Um, And what we're seeing now in in movies with representation, I think is making a huge difference. We were talking to to my wife's grandmother, and I don't want to portray this lady as you know she's different but she's she's 98 right she grew up in new jersey and you know you know that it was 100 percent completely segregated back then and people from the north have always had a pass because they always think of the south as the racist people so they're not racist because they live in the north even though totally right totally are you know what i mean and but she was talking about how she's been watching uh what is it Family Feud, which is hosted by, I can't remember his name. Um, Steve Harvey. Steve yeah. Harvey. And and she was noticing how they always have black families and how, and you know, the comments she was making were pretty cringy, but coming from where she was coming from, she was basically saying that it's really enlightening and eye-opening to see how they're just like us, you know? And, yeah. and if you, a 98-year-old woman who was never really exposed to that until now, if it takes representation on TV, people need to stop freaking bitching about you know making the little mermaid a black actress and stuff like that because it actually helps us as a society no i completely agree my entertainment went on much longer than i thought it was going to go watch some old shit and compare it to today that's my (laughs) all right charles well what's your entertainment of the week my first entertainment is my uh second uh what's it called crawlers it is a crawler it's called the screw loose blonde oh shit we're moving on to another beer i gotta hurry up I've only referred to St. Elmo's Fire as Dante's Inferno so far. How many more slip-ups can I make? He's descended to the, the, the fourth level of hell. Was it levels or pits? I can't remember what yeah, Dante's levels. levels. I think it was levels, yeah. And then you had purgatory to yeah. care for some blondes here. I would love some. This is a blonde. It smells yeasty. That's like the first smell that hits your nose. Uh, very clear. Super clear. And, and Charles, just out of curiosity... When you say yeasty, do you mean like it has a bready kind of nose to it? Um, the froth, the 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 carbonation, the suds on top do, but the head doesn't. It has a yeasty, more of a yeasty smell than a bready smell. Yeah, it's normally. Yeah, I do get like a bready smell from a blonde. I don't. I don't get so. like biscuity smells like from like biscuit malt or something like that. I it's, okay. To me, it smells almost like when you open up like a European lager. Yeah, like that kind of like fresh beery smell to it. Mm-hmm. That's what it smells like to me. This smells really good. It's good. This is the one we should open first. This is the one right after disc golf. That's good. Yeah, I like it. Really good. I like the logo too. I'm a fan of, and this is not very politically correct, but I'm a fan of the pinup art style from like, you know, World War II and junk like that. Me too, and it seems like... I am too. Yeah. And it's a little misogynistic and stuff, but I always wanted to get a pinup tattoo. I'm glad I never did because it probably would look like shit after like... He probably likes 80s action movies. Yeah, right? Like, (laughs) who does he think he is? Snake pill skip. But even like the Southern Star Bombshell Blonde, like, I love that label. It's a great label. Yeah, I think we're a little antiquated. Yeah, it is. I think so. But you like what you like. Like my wife's commented on that label because she's like riding a big torpedo. It's a little bit over the top in terms of uh, sexual innuendo, I guess you could say. Not that there's really anything wrong with it. That's this. Is well, isn't she? Isn't she on the label of the one you just showed me riding something? Yeah, no. same thing. No, it's she's she's thing. sitting on a keg, but she's not like straddling it, and she's got a wrench in her hand. She's obviously been like and, Betty and a bicycle cog in the back. Yeah, so it's more. So she's been like working on a bike, and she's yeah. sitting on a keg. And she's sexy. It's kind of cool how they took like that misogynistic version and kind of just yeah. tweaked it a little bit, right. made it way yeah. cooler. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my entertainment is uh, 
Hold on, y'all got to give ratings, and then I have to like taste this beer. Okay, I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna give it four out of four ever. That's how much I love it. It's so good. That's almost as good as your first one. Yeah, I'm gonna give it numero uno in terms of. I think this is up there with one of the best blondes I've ever had, and I am a big fan of blondes. Yeah, me so, too. Me too. yeah. All right, so my next one is from Duclaw Brewing Company. They are based out of Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, uh, for, right. So for people who may not may not know, Maryland is just north of Virginia. So it's on the Atlantic coast. Who's he talking to? He doesn't know where Maryland is. I, I was literally just making time because I thought Steve was walking out of the room for no, a minute. I was turning on a light because it was dark. <laughs> knows the geography if wasn't. people don't know where Maryland is, they can Google it. They don't give a shit. Not <laughs> so anyways, Duclaw Brewing Company. I've had some stuff from them in the past. It's all been very good. Is it Duclaw um, like D-E-W? Because you're saying it. I can't. Sometimes I can't tell if it's like an accent. It is D-U-C-L-A-W. Oh, okay. So it's not like Duclaw, like what dogs have. It's like someone's yeah. name, probably. But this is called, it was all a dream sickle. Oh, he loves the dream sickles. He I do them. love dream sickles. And so um, here's what, the, it's a hazy double IPA. So I saved it for the back end of the podcast because our esoteric topic is going to be a good one. Like I'm really happy to talk about this because I've actually done a shit ton of research and not the kind of research we normally do. But- Moving on, um, your classic dreamy orange vanilla ice cream on a stick dessert, all hopped up and served as an adult beverage. It's medium bodied and sweet with orange juice, tangerine pill, ground vanilla bean, and lactose plus lotus, amarilla, and mandarina Bavaria hops. It's all good. You'll have plenty of reasons to share baby baby. So I guess that's the ice, ice baby, baby. Um, but let's give it a try. I'm hoping this kind of tastes like a my favorite drink of all time, which is a frosted orange at the Varsity in Atlanta, which recently closed after 90 years of business. So let's see. I smell more hops on the nose than anything else. No orange, no vanilla. Not getting any of that on the nose. No lotus. It's not good. Oh, no. Not I don't. Good. I do not get any of the dream sickle whatsoever. It just tastes like a really bad double IPA. Oh no! It tastes boozy. Um, I don't think I'm going to finish this beer. That's sad. Well, good marketing on their part. They got you to open it. It did. I was super excited about it, but um, yeah, I do not think I'm going to finish this beer at all. It is real tragedy. You heard it, it here is first, not- folks. This is groundbreaking news from the world of Keith Dyer. <laughs> yep. Found a beer he doesn't like. He's going in for seconds, though. He's going to give it one more chance. It's not good. He might even give it a negative rating. Um, I was hoping to give this a one out of one of... And and this might be me because I really wanted it to taste like an orange dreamsicle. So I wanted to give it a one out of one frosted orange. Um, But I'm going to give this, oh, fuck, a zero out of 100 beers I've had on this podcast. Wow. 
Like, it's really bad. This, this is so not good. Duclaw, I've ha- and I have three more beers of yours in the refrigerator that I bought today. Please, dear God, don't be as bad as this. Well, they did say that it was good for sharing. Maybe you should give those to a yeah, friend. Yeah, give them away. <laughs> give them to Nick as a thank you for the other beer you gave me. Oh, I would not do that to him. This is, oh my God, this, oh, it's fucking disgusting. I'm so I'm sorry. I I hate to talk shit about a beer, but this is not good. And if Duclaw ever does listen it to this podcast, it's shit, man. It like fucking quality control. Like don't put out bad beer because you made it. Dump the shit. It's not fucking good. Yeah, I at least is mad. Give it like half off or something. <laughs> oh, it's fucking awful. I don't know why I keep reaching for Charles. Do your entertainment so we can take a break and I can get another beer. I mean, maybe what they're going to do is just pour some pumpkin extract in it and sell it as pumpkin beer. <laughs> yeah. you know? Maybe that's the base for their pumpkin beer. It's fucking brutal. That is the worst beer. Like, I was drinking High Life early. I drink a Bush Light earlier this week. I would much rather be drinking a Bush Light than this. And I paid $5 for this can. Dang. I would much rather be drinking a Bush Light. Nothing wrong with the bush you know, latte. Keith, maybe you should try to return it. <laughs> maybe you should. Maybe there's a number on there you can call them up and say you weren't satisfied. See what they send you. Remember I did that with the uh, revolver. They sent me a whole bunch of shit. Oh, you told them the beer sucked. Yeah, that's a good. Maybe I'll send them an email and be like, "This is garbage." The only problem with that is I like revolvers, so I liked having all their swag. Yeah, but uh, you don't seem to. Really I've like had it. several dew claws that I've really liked. This is not one of them. Little claw inside of a dog's leg. It's just a stupid name, too. Maybe that's what it tastes like. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Charles, do your entertainment so I can go get another beer. All right, so mine is a TV show. It's called Dave. It's on Hulu. Uh, It's still new new episodes are coming out right now. I think it's in its fourth season or something like that. But it's uh, it's about this white Jewish rapper. And uh, I think, you know, okay, he's like a little like YouTuber. He's got a few followers, something like that. And then I looked him up on Spotify and he has 554 million listens on his top song. So he's big time. He's not like a rapper trying to make it. He's really made it. And he's just really interesting because he's so awkward and uh, makes fun of himself a lot. I think the reason he's called Lil Dicky is because he's a little self-conscious about he has basically a mutilated dick. A micro penis or something? No, it's like mutilated. Hmm. Like he has like has two holes in it and stuff like that. He had like three or four surgeries and stuff like that. <laughs> what? No. What he, the he, fuck? Yeah, and uh, like w- like when he'd have sex with with girls early on, like he'd always like make sure like it was poorly lit and things like that, so they couldn't see it and stuff like that. Like so he'd make fun of it. And his a lot of his rap songs are like make fun of his like his weird penis and stuff like that. And he's like your classical Jewish guy. He's got like curly hair and he's white and he's funny. But it deals with all kinds of stuff like uh, cultural appropriation. You know, you know he wrestles with that a lot. Is he appropriating culture and stuff like that? The way he says things and stuff mm-hmm. and his raps and stuff. Uh, one of his part of his crew or whatever I, I guess he called it a hype man or whatever he uh his, his name is Gata and at one point he's like getting kind of frenetic about something he's getting all overexcited and stuff like that and then like later on you find out that he's bipolar and 
I think he really is bipolar. And like, so they go into that a little bit, like from a very real perspective and stuff like that. It's just very real, very raw, funny, weird. Also, I think it helps you like kind of understand like younger generations and meme culture and stuff mm. like that. It's just, it's really good, really interesting. And it's coming out new episodes right now. You should check it out. I don't know if you've actually said the name of the show. Yeah. I think, I think you said Dave. a little dicky, but yeah. No, I said Dave. Okay. Dave on Hulu. Awesome. So... Why don't we take a real quick break and we'll be back right after this. And thanks for hanging with us through the break. And Stephen, before we jump into the esoteric topic, I noticed during the break, there was a song that you put on in the last podcast that you didn't get to mention. And I just wanted to know, do you want to take a moment to talk about that song? Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So another good example of a song that kind of could expose people. I don't know. This is probably a bad example of all that stuff, actually. Um, was Curtis Mayfield's Superfly from, is that the name of the song? I think it was the name of the song. It was the theme song yes. from the movie Superfly, which when I was growing up, I loved that movie. It's definitely a black exploitation film, which that was like, you know, a genre. Um, but super catchy song. I love Curtis Mayfield. He that song and that that song turned me on to Curtis Mayfield, and I listened to a lot of Curtis Mayfield after that. Um, yeah, it's just good. It's groovy. It's a catchy song. I I love that song. Pusher Man is probably my favorite. Yeah, but yeah, awesome. Did I put well, Pusher Man or did I put the Superfly theme song? Superfly. You put Superfly on there. No, Pusher Man is yeah, that, that's a better song. The Superfly theme song is is cool too. All right, guys. So um, I've been doing a lot of thought about how we're going to handle the esoteric topic. And I'm going to tell y'all what the topic is. I'm going to let y'all discuss it. And then I'm going to tell you the feedback that I got from the research that I did um, after y'all discuss it and see if maybe y'all come to the same conclusions that other people did. Um, does that sound okay with you guys? Sure. Okay. Yes. So let, let me go ahead and oh, before we even get started on the esoteric topic, the beer was so bad that I went and got a bearded iris tunnel vision. And it is one of their, they don't have a lot of single IPAs. This is a single IPA. Most everything is a double IPA, an imperial IPA, an imperial sour, a sour IPA, or some kind of weird light double stout. So this is fucking delicious. It's very juicy. You can see it's pretty, it's pretty hazy. Uh, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it 49 out of 50 state flowers. Because that's definitely what Bearded Iris is named after. Bearded Iris is the state flower of Tennessee and a beautiful flower it is. So esoteric topic. I'm really excited to hear y'all's thoughts on this. And it's going to sound like a pretty intense topic, but the conversation I've had about it, like have been really, really good. And the esoteric topic is reparations and what do reparations look like in modern America? 
So, and I will tell you that I've talked to several of my African-American friends and had a conversation with them about what would reparations look like in your mind? What what could this country do to make things not, not necessarily right? We're never going to make it right. But what can this country do to make things better for the African-American community to make up for the fact that the community came from slaves. And so I'm going to sit back and let you guys discuss it. And then I will tell you exactly what they told me. So, and it was just a few things that everybody told me. It was basically the same exact thing. So I'm going to let y'all guys talk about it and then we'll come back to what they told me. And if y'all have any questions in the meantime, I'll be happy to chime in. So y'all take it away. We're on stage, Charles. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Well, I'm not an economist, are you? That's exactly what I was thinking is that uh, you you probably need some economists to answer this question. And to be honest, you probably want some economists from the African-American community. Absolutely. So I think lots of discussion. Um, I only have really one opinion, nothing to do with the amount or anything like that. I, I think there should be no strings attached. Like you can't like provide housing or something like that. Because it'd be good for the African-American community. I think you give them the money. Right. They decide what's important to them. No strings attached. Like, no, you don't get to choose. Nobody's telling you how to spend your money. You know, it should for them, it should be the same. So that's the only thing I have. I have no idea about amounts and stuff like that. I know that there are a lot of very reasonable ways of calculating the amounts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am for it. Um, That's about all I have on it. Yeah. I mean, my, I don't know the solution because I'm not an economist and it's Mm -hmm. a very complex, like put doing something that would actually move the needle is, would require knowledge beyond my skill set, Right. But I can say that the, the concept of reparations to me is not only perfectly fine, but probably long overdue and very justified. Like you can't, I don't see how any sane, open-minded person could look at what's happened in this country over its history and not come to the conclusion that people have been disenfranchised because of their ethnicity, their skin color, their religion, all kinds of things, right? And with with our history, the most obvious one, not to say it's the only group that we've disenfranchised is African-Americans. And when you, I mean, you just look at the numbers. Like, I don't think that there's a biological reason why, you know, white people should on average have more money than black people. I think it's because of systematic racism and the way that our country has operated and you know i don't know if giving people money is the solution but i if if a if a if a team of economists that are experts and they come at it from you know the the right perspective and they're also include representation from african-american communities which is probably it shouldn't even be also it probably should be primarily you know what the african-american community thinks i'd be i'd be totally in favor and I also think that uh, it's it's easy just to go to the money. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that can be done outside of just money, right. like resources and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was James Baldwin just talked about the, the tragedy of the American Negro, that they're like a people without a land, mm-hmm. without a system of control over their mm-hmm. own destiny and things like that. You know, they're totally different than yeah. anybody else in the world. And how do you fix that? Right. You know? And I'd love for it to be like this thoughtful process, people thinking, bantering ideas, but it is just be it'll probably be one of those things where they just throw money at it yeah problem solved now we don't have to do anything else yeah and the whiplash could be horrible i mean just look oh, at like people would, black people president. would lose their shit yeah. yeah i know so i think this sounds politician of me or whatever but you have to consider that also like mm-hmm. what is 
a level that people can tolerate and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I don't think you just do, this is right. We're going to do this. And then people who are struggling that are white, you know, are now all of a sudden really upset. And so, I mean, I don't know what the answer yeah. is. I don't know. If, you know, the problem is, is that you can't truly fix the wrongs that have been done. Well, but you can try really hard. Right. And if you just gave people money, but you yeah. don't remove any of the like, institutional yeah. barriers that exist right now, that really wouldn't fix it. Yeah. Like to me, and again, I'm not an expert in this, this probably going to sound totally ignorant to a lot of people, but my, what the conclusion I kind of land on is this idea of generational wealth. And a lot of people like me, right? White males that grew up kind of like, I don't even, I think it's so funny how people like people like me tend to put ourselves in like categories that try to move us. Like I would describe my upbringing as lower middle class, but it, like just the fact that I'm like drawing striations in the middle class kind of group is so freaking artificial to me because I definitely didn't grow up as someone who was, um, had the deck stacked against me the way that like one, like someone that was my age grew up in the same town as me, et cetera, but just happened to be black, stuff like that. Like my parents, you know, that like my mom, my stepdad didn't go to college, all that. I, I can name all these reasons why I was kind of, you know, uh, had an uphill battle, if you yeah. will, but it's not even the same battle. It's not even the same war. Right. Like, I yeah. mean, I was still in a world where I can walk into a job interview and I could easily fake the shit out of whatever the hell I wanted my background to be. And the fact that I'm white and I'm a male is going to get me in the door. Right. You could be a black person and yeah, it's just it's jacked up. So to me, the only way to really fix it is ownership and to give people actual ownership. If we're America, if, if this is America and what we really base our ideals on is this idea of an American dream where you can start a business, you can buy a house, you can own property, you can own land, you can you can like you know, you can dig in the dirt and make a plant a farm and whatever. And now the modern version of a farm might be an online company or whatever, who cares? To me, it's about ownership. And so when you look at white people, they tend to own homes like that. You, I mean, we're sitting in our my house right now. This house is my investment. Like, I'm not rich. I don't have a bunch of money in the bank. I don't own stocks. Like, but I do own this house. And that is one single thing that Black people have generally been disenfranchised by, like, unfavorable lending practices and redlining and all that kind of stuff. So if we really get down into it, what I would really... I think, and again, I'm not an economist, so this is probably wrong in a lot of ways, but like, what if we just said, if, if you are African-American, you can take out a interest-free loan to start a business, buy a house, like to help help them buy their way into the American dream through ownership, not just giving them money, because if you give them money, but you still have the system that is stacked against them, it's not going to lead to generational improvement, which is what white people have benefited from for so long. My grandparents came to this country from other countries, and yes, they were poor, but it only took one generation for me to be considered a regular old American that can do whatever the hell he wants. And they still aren't in that in that boat and owning things to me is, is what really matters. So ownership of businesses, ownership of homes. All right, guys. So I mean, I'm going to take a quick break here, or not a break, but I'm going to interject real quick. Stephen, you have hit on one of the things that was predominant in the conversations that I had. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Which was, and there's three main points, but mortgage subsidies. There, there was a constant conversation about how the African American community struggles to buy homes, to buy businesses, and they feel that mortgage subsidies, interest-free loans, 
something along those lines would go a long way in the African-American community and could be considered reparations for what happened in the past to make it easier for African-Americans to purchase land and homes at this time, because right now it's incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But there's still two more things that y'all guys have not even discussed. So I'm going to let y'all go back to it. Well, I'm sure there's lots of things you could talk about. I mean, things like there's a lot that could probably be done with our educational system that, I mean, there's so many things. They've been locked out of everything. And whether it was on purpose, which for some people it was on purpose, for the vast, vast, vast majority of the people that were in that system, they didn't even realize they were part of that. They've prevented them from benefiting from everything else that's going on. Keith, why don't you just tell us the other things we could talk about those? Well, it, it was funny because you were right on the cusp there, Stephen. Uh, the one of the other things was why why can't they get free college education like Native Americans? Well, I will just say though that Native Americans don't get free college education everywhere. There's not everywhere, but there there are certain places where they can. But the African American community sees that Native Americans are getting free education at places, mm-hmm. and they want to know why they can't get free education. If and everybody I talked to said we're not downplaying what Native Americans went through; it was really fucked up, and they deserve yeah. way more than just free education. But don't we deserve free education too for what we went through? And so, well, in, in for the sake of argument, and this is not me; this is me playing devil's advocate. If you remove the word deserve from the conversation entirely, I think it moves to a better place in terms of building allies. Because when you talk about deserve, now- And, and these are, are these are my words, not theirs. You, know, you see what I'm saying though? But yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, like education is would be a huge one. And then the people in the black community that would be like, fuck you and your education. I don't want Mm -hmm. you telling me how to live and think and stuff like that. Like, again, let me use that money for whatever I want. Getting a college degree and then going out in the world and having to sit down for interviews and see a table of white people looking at you that are treating you differently is that doesn't fix the problem. No, it it doesn't. But what they were saying is with the subsidies in the mortgage industry, you would see more black businesses. And with free education, you would see more qualified black candidates coming into those businesses to be able to perform at a higher level. And the last thing they talked about, and I won't lie, I'm a little disappointed you guys didn't bring this up because this is something NPR has talked about on multiple occasions. They feel that the African-American community has a higher level of mental health issues and they would like to see free counseling and free mental health evaluations for the African-American community. I like that. I think everybody should have access to that. Mm -hmm. So those were the three things that just kept coming up. And I talked to over 10 people and these things came up with nine out of the 10 people. Mm-hmm. So all three of them. Yeah. And I think that these are arguments that, I mean, well, the three of us are obviously, you know, we're a bit of like-minded individuals, right? But you could totally, like, uni- like universal healthcare would significantly help with one of those, right? Now, there's still a lot of systematic racism in the healthcare industry. And when you look at how black people are treated when they go to the doctor versus white people, like that's a problem. But over time, I think that can be be improved by having more black doctors and nurses and, you know, stuff like that. More representation is, is 
is really a key. And then also like, you know, affordable college and free college and more, more equitable access to good education in the K through 12 space. Like talking about it in those ways to me is going to make it less of a polarizing issue. And again, I'm being overly pragmatic. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not taking the stand that we shouldn't do it because I want it to, and it's not fair if I don't get it. That, but that's where people are going to go. So like from just pure pragmatism, universal healthcare and equitable education and probably free college or at least affordable college, like would move the needle to a certain extent. And then I would a hundred percent be on board. And I feel like... <laughs> If people would stop watching their favorite news channel and instead would listen to conversations and talk to their neighbors, I feel like that vast, vast, vast majority of Americans would absolutely be in favor of some sort of lending program that lent people that do not have generational wealth. They are, you know, their their income falls before us below a certain threshold, whatever, and giving them better access to loans to buy houses and start businesses would 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 move the needle and get more African Americans into the workforce in positions of authority, owning businesses, hiring positions, etc. That's the only way, in my opinion, to break down the barriers that they are facing. Yeah, I, I hear you on giving money, and no, I'm not saying no, that's bad. No, I, but when I when I look at it, I, I see three mindsets. I see the first mindset is fuck reparations. They're stupid. I don't want to do it. I just can't even acknowledge that as which a lot of people do approach it that way. And then you have a second mindset that is, we got to get through this. We got to, we got to do reparations. We got to move past this. We got to move through this. And now we're on the other side. Yeah. Everybody's happy. And then I see a third mindset where it's uh, like, how do we really try to bring people together, fix the wrongs that have been done? Like, and it's more than money. It's, it's like committees and discussions and conversations. It's Mm -hmm. review boards. It's constant monitoring. It's it's checking the systems that are in place and making sure that they're working properly. And it's you know it's probably like a fifty year process or something like that. I mean, it took us many hundreds of years to get in this hole. It's going to take right. us many years to get out. I think a lot of people at reparations they just want to like rip that bandaid off, yeah, and be done with it. And I don't think that's a solution. At yeah, all. it's got to be systematic because the yeah. systems what led us to this. And, again, and if you look at takes me back to. I hate Nazis thing and why I don't like it is because that implies that there are people out there that are choosing to be Nazis and people that are choosing not to be Nazis. And I think there are some, but there are a significantly larger amount that are in this place where they are supporting certain things and contributing to a system that is allows Nazis to exist without even realizing. And it's very similar to that. Like it can't be, we have to figure out a way to not make it a polarizing issue. Well, and and y'all both touched on this, like the people I talked to don't want this to be a rip the bandaid off. Here is $20,000 in cash. Let's call it good. Because they know more about it than we do. Right. And they want these things. The three things that I brought up, are not things that are like, okay, your first kid gets a free year at college. This is something they want to be lasting. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I mean, God, we, we were bringing people over in the 1700s and slavery didn't end in Texas until 1866. Mm-hmm. Like, the, there has to be something done. We did as, I mean... We didn't, but our ancestors are responsible for essentially genocide at a certain level. And the people that survived it, like, we should be doing something for them. And I think the the three things they ask for, the 10 people that I talked to, and it's a small number, I get that. 
but these are reasonable things like mortgage subsidies, mental health and free college. Like those are reasonable things that we could do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But they're very unreasonable. Some people, because we allow people to turn it into this weird, I don't know, socialism versus America issue type thing. Yeah, no, I think we're all in agreement. I do. I do think though, that part of the one thing that might be helpful is to stop talking about reparations solely as a reparations for slavery, because it's way too easy for people to think of slavery as happening. You know, it ended with the civil war, right? And no one alive today was a slave. Okay. But, you know, uh, you know, my neighbor's grandmother was alive during the Jim Crow area era. And, you know, my neighbor's grandfather might have fought in World War II and been an African-American and come home and been denied access to the GI Bill because he was black, while my other neighbor's grandfather was had access to it because he was white, because they specifically put people and allowed people that were racist to make the decisions on who got the GI Bill. Right. Steven, so like, it's fu- that, it's that funny that you more. That's it. That's an easier argument to make in terms of this person deserves some like like some extra and I don't even want to use the word help but this person has been well, disenfranchised help all the time hold, like, hold on really before yeah. before y'all move on like one thing I want to touch on and, and Stephen you bring up a very good point about this is six out of the ten people I talked to with like this wasn't even a question they're like Japanese Americans deserve the same thing yeah because of internment camps during World War Two their thoughts were anybody that this country has wronged in a significant way, deserve some kind of reparations for what the country had done to them in the past. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. And I think that's probably, yeah, I, I'm what, I'm going to agree with that, whatever. The difference, though, is I think that, and I'm not saying that Asian Americans today don't face uh, discrimination or racism, but when you look at someone applying for a job, someone of Asian American descent is treated differently than someone that's African American. Um, I'm just going to put I will a couple with dollars down on the table to bet that, right? So no, but I, I will say that there has been a lot of there has been a lot of abuse towards Asian Americans. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not diminishing that. I'm just. No, saying, I'm just saying d- during the coronavirus. I agree. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, it, it's I, been I, devastating. I know, but when you look at the systematic reasons why African Americans have not been able to prosper in this country to the same level that like a white person that comes off a boat with no education from a Western European country did, where within one generation, their family is in a certain place and you have African Americans who within five generations are still continuing to struggle. It's because of the systematic way that things are set up in our country. And when I say systematic, it doesn't mean there's a person at the top pulling levers. There are people that want to do that. Yes, I'm not saying there's not racists that have like over uh, representative impact on these systems, but the system is the system and people that are a part of that system don't even realize that they're contributing to the fact that it's inequitable. And I would argue we can talk about Asian Americans, we can talk about American Indians, everybody that's not white has been impacted by the system. The system needs to be 
fixed. And we cannot lie that as white people, I would argue that on average, if, you know, the average white person in America had a lineup of different ethnicities and they had to pick someone to share a cab with, the African-Americans are going to be the last ones that people pick. I'm not saying they should, like, at all, right? But I, th- I think they are, in our history as a country, the most disenfranchised people. Well, and, you know, all this stuff we're talking about is anecdotal. And that's like, yeah, that's and a, that's there's no problem. black people in this conversation right now. It's three white dudes. Well, and like, I think data, yeah. you have to be careful with data because data can tell different stories depending mm-hmm. on what you do with it. But I think it has to be based on data and things like that. One of the most heart-wrenching kind of things I saw is, you know, New York Times is really good at like doing little graphics to go with their story. And they did this animated graphic where it showed like uh, black wealth and then just watching it drop off. Like there's no black generational, like it's not sustained. Like somebody might do mm-hmm. really well. Well, yeah, yeah, but you yeah. have things like the Tulsa riots where yeah. you have pockets that are doing well. And people but but this is modern too. This is right yeah. now. So I don't know what's doing that. And I don't know, I would argue, nobody really knows what's doing that. But that should be like our primary focus is figuring out what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Why is that happening? Let's fix that problem because that's a problem. Yeah. And, and that should be part of our reparations. Like it doesn't really matter how we got here. We're here. What do we do about it? Like we should be looking at everything and looking at the data, seeing the problems, mm-hmm. and then how do we fix this problem? Right. All That's of not going to not happen. white people, not white people. Right. All of us. So right. yeah, I'm going to. I'm no. I want to respond to what Charles was saying because honestly, I don't think, and we can't even get people to agree on the best way to stop people from getting the fucking cold, right? <laughs> so this is way too polarizing an issue for to actually be handled by politicians. Yeah, we can't handle it. I think the only way that we actually accomplish this is by increasing representation, by everybody doing, everybody that is aware of the problem and can't. I'm not saying we don't try to do things in politics, but I just, I'm not confident that it's going to actually happen, is is to continue to move this glacier and over time and whatever we can do to speed the path of the glacier towards progress, we do. So guys, let me ask you this. I have... Y'all met him, my friend Marshall. He was at our wedding, or y'all met him. He came to various afterwards. My one black friend guy. Like, I'm not criticizing you for that, but it is funny because you do that. So go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I know Marshall. (laughs) But Marshall is one of my closest friends. Like, why don't we have Marshall come on the podcast? And this could be a conversation in a future podcast, but instead of just three white guys talking about it with the feedback that I got from 10 people, we actually have a black guy have this conversation with us. You can do that. You just yeah, need to be careful. I'd be good for that. It can be exhausting. You need to make sure he's good with it. Oh, no. Marshall oh, also, is what me, me and Marshall had like a three hour conversation about this just a couple weeks ago. But so, but part of it, Keith, is that's part of like the white male mentality is let's let's get a black person's perspective and then come to a better conclusion on our own. Like, let's get Marshall to have a podcast and like maybe we'll be guests on his podcast. You know what I mean? Like we well, need we're, we're, we're actually working on this. Marshall has the idea of Charles, you're familiar with Arsenal T- Arsenal fan TV, correct? Yeah, I've heard of it. We Marshall wants to start NSC fan TV. So you should help Marshall do that. Oh, no, 100%. Like we've already like talked about this. We're, we're going to do it, but it, it Side note, like, let's move this to the side. Well, what I mean by that, let me, let me, let me, I think back. it would be good to, I don't think it would be bad to have a black guy come on no, our podcast. 100% agree that you're right. Yes. I, I agree with that. But, but also let me, let me make yeah, this point. Ahead. 
and I think Tanahasi Coates mm-hmm. probably put it best. This is your shit. This mm-hmm. is your problem. This is your deal. You created this. You fix it. Don't fucking talk to me. You fix your problems. Like, stop pandering to me and moaning and bitching and saying, oh, what can I? Like, this is your shit. You figure it out. What are you doing? What are you doing? So, Charles, I love Ta-Nehisi Coates, and I'm pretty sure I was the one who pushed you to read that book. But I will also say it's hard to know what to do when you don't have any feedback. You could think you're doing the right thing, but you could be doing the absolutely worst thing without knowing. Well, we're, we're kind of conflating a bunch of things here. Okay, if we're talking about reparations... White people created this problem. I don't think white people are the ones to necessarily solve the problem. I think what we need to do is if, you know, we need to figure out how to have a system that where everyone is equally represented. So like, like until we have, when you look at Congress, you don't actually see the representation of our population. And I'm not saying people vote along just ethnic lines and stuff like that, but like, it's not just a white people's problem to fix. The issue I have with, and Keith, you can totally have Marshall on. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. Marshall's a cool dude, hundred percent on board. What I, with the issue that I take is this idea that you have three white dudes that are trying to solve the world's problems. Let's go ask a black guy, right? And have him give him some advice. And then the three of us go and solve the problem. Like that's a bit of a trope. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't, like we need to involve everyone authentically. No, I agree with that. But I also think that there's some no brainers. We don't need to ask anybody about. <laughs> like there's some obvious injustice going mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. We don't need any feedback on. We know. Yeah. So, so guys, the fact that Lauren is staring over Stephen's shoulder right now tells me that we should probably wrap this up. So why don't we go ahead and lead off with our taglines of the night? I feel like it's been a good conversation. Um, Marshall, I'll be reaching out to you very soon, probably tomorrow. And to get you on the podcast, we'll make that happen. And uh, Stephen, what's your tagline for the night? I don't know what my tagline is now. Um, I would say the best way to be an ally to people that are disenfranchised isn't to try to fix the problems for them. It's to give them actual power. Give up some of our power. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Charles. Foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Okay. I like that. And mine is don't trust anybody that tells you that a Dolly Parton song is a Whitney Houston song. I don't know. I kind of trust his quote more than yours. This sounded like it came from a smart person. Emerson. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, cheers. Adios. Cheers. That was fun. Smile and remember, laugh and forget it. I'll indulge it, then dismiss it. Still keeps me frozen, locked in moments. I slipped, I tripped, and I fell just this side of fearless and left the stupid. I've got an appetite for what you sell. So show me where the edge is. Show me where the edge is. Thanks again for listening to Bearded Bros Podcast. Again, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagrams, and all that good social media jazz. Also, become a Patreon subscriber. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
Want to submit an esoteric topic? Make sure you reach out to us at beardedbrospodcast at gmail.com. There we'll be able to get all of your feedback and your esoteric topics and have great conversations in the future. Well, okay conversations. Well, really shitty conversations. Well, if you're submitting one, you're listening to them, so they must be okay conversations. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers.